Hey everybody, welcome to Random Musings from the Clinical Trials Guru. I really want to thank you for listening. If you feel compelled to do so, make sure you subscribe, uh, leave a review, comment, share, whatever you feel like doing. Help me out trying to grow this podcast, trying to continuously deliver value. A couple of things before we get into the show, check out the links in the show notes to my CRA Academy, my CRC Academy, both of them doing very well as far as getting people jobs in the marketplace. Check those out. Also, if you need help getting studies for your site or anything else, or even launching a site, basically any help for your site, we have a low monthly fee consulting service where we have helped many clients become and continue to be successful site owners through our background efforts of business development and support staff. Text me 949-415-6256. Please check out the links in the show notes as well for the book, The Comprehensive Guide to Clinical Research. It's been selling really well, getting very well received by the community. Thank you guys so much for that. Also check out the YouTube member page. Join this channel to get perks. That's my YouTube uh, membership. It's 10 bucks a month. You get a monthly mastermind exclusively. It's a Zoom call every month with other YouTube members. Uh, You also get weekly videos exclusive to the YouTube members on how to use social media to improve your opportunities in life sciences. So check that out. Really means a lot to me. And thank you so much again for listening and enjoy the show. Hey, Guru Nation. So you asked for it. They asked. Monica and Chris, thank you guys both for joining. First, we've got Monica. Hi, Monica. Hi, Dan. Thank you for having us again. As you can see now, she's got the University of Columbia Research logo behind her. Can you say it again? Show it again, Monica. The University of Clinical Research. Beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) You might recognize the DNA and RNA strand. And then we've got Chris Sauber, who people are going to, you know, I already get enough um, pushback on Twitter for, there's this whole segment of people on Twitter that dislike, and this is not going to be our podcast, don't even start, but dislike private research, even though they're so, like, it's way more good than bad from having private research. All you have to do is work at a university or amc to to figure that out but chris sauber not helping me at all with his background with the corvette yeah something to strive for <laughs> welcome chris. Well, you can you can go from here from here to that <laughs> yeah you can go from rna to dna we're not getting into that podcast either Monica. You know, from getting well trained start what? your career in research and then go to get a corvette <laughs> Yeah, that's good. Okay, so I I did this like short video yesterday on um um entry level. The problem with having an advanced degree when you are entry level in research. So a lot of PhDs, you know, reach out and say, "Hey, you know what? I have a PhD," but there, it's not a PhD in like a, any like hard science because that for those ones you can actually work in the lab. Like if you're PhD in chemistry or like molecular biology, you can work at a sponsor like 
you can do bench research, you can publish papers, you could help them create their protocols, you know, all that kind of stuff. But if you're like trying to be a CRA and you have a PhD in something that's not like necessarily hard science, or even if it is, but it doesn't have a transferable um, context to clinical research, you know, you have to start at the entry level like everyone else. But this this video is going to, this longer form is going to be more about entry-level roles in research. How to obtain them. What First of all, what they are. Where to find them. How to obtain them. Uh, and then we, well, obviously we're going to talk about the CRC Academy, which is enrolling soon, and the CRA Academy, which is enrolling soon. Both have been busy. So, um how do you what is let's start with what are some entry level roles in clinical research? I think the number one will be patient recruitment. Can you explain? Like, let's say, oh, you know, we're listening right now, and somebody says, Oh, that sounds really good, Monica. So, where do I find somebody texted me? Where do I find these links to these jobs? You know, and okay. Do I, I don't think you actually find them. You have to find the opportunity. So, uh, what I will suggest is, uh, like Dan always keep on saying, go and check the clinics around your area, and offer th- your service. You can you can actually be independent contractor. That could be a, your your actually your own business. You can be uh, starting as a volunteer, showing your uh, potential. It will be also a plus if you have um, a language background, another language, like um, like if you're bilingual, that you speak, let's say, Spanish and English, or I don't know, French and English, uh, that you could also offer that variety because now the industry is looking for diversity, right? I think it's a great way to start a career and you will learn progressively all that involves being a part of a team in research from the side perspective. If you like it, I mean, you can develop a huge career within the industry because you can also do this with the sponsors, right? And Monica's not just, she's, I mean, you're somebody who started as a patient recruiter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, Chris and I thought you were a spy, but you were actually a... <laughs> A genuine patient recruiter. I don't know, that's, the spy part's still open for debate. Yeah, I still think it's still true. She's a double no. agent, actually. No, no. You're not no, off the hook no. yet, but good, good call, Chris. No, no I, I was never a spy. It's an inside story, guys, but we had a business partner investor. But it was for a startup research site. So, okay, patient recruiter, Chris, do you agree? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I would say that's that's the ultimate probably starting point, um, that or data entry. Okay, but now I'm going to ask you, Chris, because I know you do well with the tough questions. You just identified two, patient recruiter, data entry. Now I'm going to reflect back to what some comments on YouTube say. Well, I have a PhD. I have a master's in public health. Does that still apply for me? Well, uh, you know, it's funny because last time you and I did a video, we had this kind of the same conversation in which um, I told you a doctor felt that a doctor could be a coordinator, no problem, right? But you still need some sort of training. Um, So, yes, as far as a PhD, I mean, 
you know, there's plenty of sites out there that uh, Dan and I help with our consulting service in which these individuals become coordinators and have not the first clue about clinical research. They tend to make more mistakes. They, they tend to have more problems, though, when they step into this role with no experience. I think it's much preferred that this individual has some sort of experience, at least some uh, some education, right? Maybe not experience necessarily, but at least education. Some some training, yeah. So you brought up I, a I, good I, point because I think for this, and it actually, um, it actually confirms Monica's point. So if you are somebody with a master's degree, there's a lot of masters in clinical research too. And guess what? They don't really learn like, the day-to-day stuff of how to be a coordinator. But if you're someone with a master's degree or even better PhD, or you are an international medical graduate, you need to go do what Monica said. You need to go to the small sites in your area because those doctors, a lot of those sites, those small sites are doctor owned, physician owned. And those doctors, like you just heard from Chris, they prefer to talk to somebody with credentials, even if you don't have experience. So if you go, if you're a PhD and you go to a site and you get to see the doctor or you get to network until you get to talk to the doctor and say, Hey, I just want to work here. You know, just I'll be a patient recruiter. Um, eventually, like if you see value in me, you could hire me as a coordinator or a, or a psychometric rater or some other kind of um, assessment where you require like a, advanced degree those doctors are more likely to say yes to you because you are they consider you more of like an equal to them right absolutely i would agree with that yeah um totally agree we had in the past uh people that have the masters in in clinical research and we train them from zero because i mean they have the the, this education is totally different to the practical education that we provide because it's more like book-based uh, kind of education than practical, right? We had in the past uh, uh, a coordinator that had this background, clinical research master's, and, and we have to train him from zero. What, other, what about other entry mm-hmm. levels? So patient recruiter... We have data entry. Um, we have psychometric rater. So if you have a master's degree or higher, find psychiatric clinics in your area because they're always in need of a master's degree level or higher, especially if it's master's in science. I was just going to say you can you can argue that the coordinator is entry level, but you know I think you I know you're shaking your head no Monica, but. Um, <laughs> You need some sort of formal education. Well, not necessarily formal, but you need some sort of education, right? Um, I mean, we've had students that have done well, that have read our book, watched a few dance videos, and have done well as a coordinator. Um, or better yet, they take the, the CRC Academy. Um, and I tell this all the time to our clients when they ask, hey, can this MA be our coordinator? Sure. Uh, it's going to potentially be problematic. However, if you put them through the CRC Academy, um, I believe that they'd be much better situated if they at least have the fundamentals down and the concepts to being a coordinator. So 
I think that still makes you an, an entry level position, though, even though you require some education, right? Uh, it's like one B entry level, whereas patient recruitment still going to require a little bit of education, less so. Uh, same thing with data entry, still going to require a little bit of education, less so, to be able to perform those tasks as well. It's just a little more education is required, again, in my opinion, to be a coordinator. Order. Or an assistant, a clinical research coordinator yeah. assistant. Yeah, also absolutely. A CTA. Mm -hmm. Another one that could be a possibility that but you also need to get trained is a regulatory specialist at the site, like the person in charge of doing all the regulatory. Yes. So that is another good one, like ISF filing. I remember like first day of Katie, who's our new, our new hire. Well, she's now in month three. By the way, once you have three months of experience, you are experienced as a coordinator. Like Katie and Desiree, they have uh, three and four months experience, respectively. I'm leaving them alone now for most visits. Like they're just on but, their own. But, but keep in mind that they went through the CRC Academy. Exactly. Exactly. I would also, <laughs> I would also add, Dan, that they're still gonna they're still gonna run into problems potentially. Um, and, but that's where they have you as a resource, right? Yeah. And I'm not trying to sell anything here, but in our CRC Academy, you also will have a resource in Monica for the long haul. So, yes, you can do the job, but you still need that kind of backup plan if I run into something I don't mm -hmm. know how to handle. Yeah. 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 Because I, perfect example, like uh, we had a new amendment for a study. So I told Katie to do the training log for the new protocol and she's only halfway done with the class but she's never done one on her own so she was looking at delegation log like what i need to do and i was like no no you need the training log and then she's oh okay and so then she understood but it's understand by doing it too yep that's just a little example like daily examples like this we have a lot of them um so that all this is at the site level which is good. The problem is a lot of these, and these are, we're talking about small sites because if you try to, if you try to, if you're a PhD or an MS, whatever, masters, and you try to go to an AMC or a CRO, they're going to peg you as overqualified many times. And somebody commented, actually elite clinical research commented, Shout out to Elite Clinical Research. He commented on YouTube as well. He's got a YouTube channel of his own. He actually commented on the video. He said a lot of times they will overlook at CROs and sponsors the um, advanced degrees because they know that as soon as you get some experience, you're going to leave. So there is, you know, you kind of are in a tough spot if you have an advanced degree you kind of have to almost start over and you almost have no other choice but smaller sites. Not to say it's not possible and you can go on Indeed and on LinkedIn and you can go network. Everyone should go network with ACRP local chapter, SOCRA local chapter, and just network with people. Latinos in clinical research, it's open to all backgrounds. You just go to latinosinclinicalresearch.com. Every month we have a free Zoom meeting where you get to meet other people from the industries. Yes, people have already gotten jobs just by being in those meetings, by talking to other people. 
they've already gotten jobs. So that's just networking. It's possible, but probability is you have a better chance of outcomes going to a small site with those advanced degrees. Maybe, I mean, another way, but I think for that one, you will need a little bit more education. It will be uh, to uh, create the source documents. Chris and I talked to a, cl a potential client and the coordinator there wanted to have a side hustle of making source documents for other sites. Remember this call, Chris? I most certainly do. It was just a few days ago. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it's a demand. It's in demand. Problem is, it's not that much in demand to be a standalone service or a standalone but, but you job. Can, but you can, but you can get, gain experience that you can add to your CV. Oh, absolutely. And then, yeah. Absolutely. So let's say, for example, uh, if you're creating the source documents for X and Y studies, then you can add those studies as your, as your experience, mm -hmm. and um, and that's that's helpful, right? You are, you uh, have to approach when when you're approaching. I don't care what degree you have, even if you don't have any. When you're approaching a small site, like all of us are site owners here, Monica, me, Chris, all right. If you approach any one of us in the wild or anyone else in the out wild. there, yeah, out there in the <laughs> wild, right? I'm out here in Yuma, Arizona. So if you approach any of us or anyone like us and you say, hey, I want to intern, I want to shadow you, or even worse, like pick your brain, we're probably going to say, nah, you know, we have too much going on. But if you approach a site or one of us, and say something like, there's four things, really. I don't have experience in this industry, but I've watched videos, I've read a book, and I know sites need help getting patients. I know sites need help getting studies. I know sites need help getting clinicians. I know sites need help with various aspects of their operation. I have this background. This is what I can do for you for free. I'll do it for free for three months if you think I'm worth keeping and uh, gaining experience, I'll work as a research assistant. But in those three months of working for free, I will build my experience on my resume. I will say yes. Yeah, most of right. us would say I, yes. Yeah. So, and how about if you have lobotomist or if you know how to draw blocks and, I mean, and legally able anything. to do it? Anything. If you're a PhD, <laughs> if you're a PhD, you can say, okay, look, I have a, let's say your master's in public health. Okay, I have a master's in public health. We learn a lot about health outcomes of communities. All right. I know you have to reach out to community clinicians and you have to reach out to com the community at large. I'm going to create uh, posters for you with stats about your various therapeutic conditions you, you guys treat. And we're going to just, you can use it for your social media. You can use it for your website. I'm going to do it for free. I just want some experience in return. Like at that point, you're not just taking something, you're giving. And so ultimately working both ways. Yeah. And and I shouldn't say work for free. I should say you're volunteering. So if if you're if you're if you do that, it's a win-win situation because you're gaining experience and then the site is gaining an somebody asset. and then and, and uh, exactly an asset. And then 
on top of that, you maybe if if you're if you're if you show that you're good, for sure, more likely you're gonna end up being hiring in that site. I would like to add an alternative on something you said there, Dan, because most people who are looking for a job can't work for free for three months. Um, right. I mean, certainly, you can make that offer if you're capable of, of withstanding three months without pay, but both sites, including the three of us here, if you came in and said a month, and please just reevaluate, you know, my potential at that point, or something to that effect, I think most sites would take you up on that as well. Yeah, I would yeah. say volunteer. And, mm-hmm. You're right. Don't work for free. Volunteer for free. But what you're doing, so look, like this Master of Public Health, you can take something that's abstract, like we learn about community health outcomes. Well, you could bring it down to a therapeutic area and you can post on social media for that site how does osteoarthritis impact Yuma, Arizona? Imagine having those infographics, you know, for our osteoarthritis study like that would be amazing and you're gonna do this for free and all all we have to do is let you shadow us like whenever you feel like coming in and put on your resume be my guest and guess what i'll hire you in a month (laughs) well yeah i I was i was gonna say that even if you're if you're not able to work three months uh volunteering you can still have your job and then still volunteering some of your time doing uh anything that can be remote and once in a while you go to the site to learn different things because that's the beauty of volunteering that you can go to the site and shadow and learn a lot of things so i mean the opportunities are there it's just for you to take a look and to be creative even to create your own opportunities yeah well the problem is and this is not this is probably a criticism of higher education. People go into debt for these advanced degrees that are sometimes not practical. And they feel like, well, I already invested all this time and money into my degree. You know, I can't be volunteering right now. Like I volunteered enough in school writing my thesis or something like that. Not knowing that within two years of getting even an entry-level role, their career is going to skyrocket because if you're a coordinator, if you're a coordinator with a PhD and yes, you can be at many sites, small sites within two years, you could be easily, easily be CRA. And at two years of that clinical trial manager, and then you could start doing things like some of the guests of this podcast do like Robert who was a study director and you can do all kinds of stuff. So your degree will pay off, but it's not going to pay off in the beginning. It's going to pay off at the end yeah it's it's, it's helpful to advance because yeah. you have that degree yeah mm-hmm. i feel i have empathy because you know these things are not cheap and um people yeah. go into debt to get them but now that you mentioned that i've been having this question many times um i'm finishing i finished my bachelor's and i'm thinking to go and get a master's in something in whatever x whatever x training right i Eckies, tell I like them uh, yeah sorry i i mix <laughs> so i was i always tell these people or these students or these professionals to first experience the industry and once they are in the industry they will find out which higher education 
will meet their necessities. So let's say, for example, if you want to become a project manager of the whole study, you may, if that's what your aim, maybe you will want to go and have a master's in project management. And probably you don't even need it, but it, I will wait a little bit before deciding if I will do or not a master's. We had to unpack this topic a little bit. And I think that um, we did cover some territory, but I don't know if it's advice everyone's going to want to hear. But if you like, if you have an advanced degree, that's just the way it is. If you don't have an advanced degree, guess what? You're almost on equal playing field with someone with an advanced degree, other than maybe the doc. In fact, sometimes even further ahead, like if you just have a bachelor's and you apply, here's the thing the bachelor's degree is the sweet spot because I think the bachelor's degree, especially if it's bachelor in science, but it could be bachelor of arts too. It's the minimal effective dose to get almost any job because yeah, you could work at sites without any bachelor's degree. But if you have like more than a bachelor's degree and you try to get like an in-house CRA role, which is sometimes considered like an entry level for CRO, they won't. They they're less likely to consider you if you have a more advanced degree than that. But bachelor is the sweet spot because you could get lucky. You have a bachelor's of science. You just graduated college. You don't really have a lot of gaps on your resume, and you go apply at Quintiles or Ikevia, whatever they call themselves now, for in-house CRA. You have a chance to get that job um, if you do well in the interview because it's considered somewhat of an entry level role, and they know that, okay, you don't have a master's, so you probably, there's not, like, you're not going to leave us really quickly. So the bachelor is that sweet spot. I think that's, like, kind of all you need. Um, and then if you want, my my rule for higher education is, like, similar to yours, Monica. If you work in this industry for a few years, you're going to figure out where you're likely, where you'd like to see yourself be. And you can see what degrees are going to help you get there, but you may not need any at that point. Yeah, I say, I say, you might not need any. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Well, it's a difference uh, between I need mean, and want because some people will still yeah. want it. Oh uh, well, if you want it, it's different yeah. story. If it's for your personal reason, all you need really to enter in the industry and a solid foundation. All you need is probably the CRC Academy or the CRA Academy. That's it. Yeah. I mean, besides, if it's the CRA, you're going to need the bachelor's. If it's the CRC, you don't need a specific background. Right. It's helpful when you have a bachelor's. Yes. And even then, there's always exceptions. But this is not meant to bash mm -hmm. advanced degrees. Actually, I think this industry, life sciences, interestingly enough, is one of the last few places where degrees actually matter later in your career so if you're if you're a bachelor's degree and you've worked at the site level you've worked at the sierra level but you've only worked for like maybe seven years let's say you've been a coordinator for three and a cra for four okay and now you you're going up against someone who's a phd who who's worked at a uh site for three years and uh, as a cra for four all things being equal, which they never are, but like, let's say same personality, all that stuff. 
you're more likely to be a clinical trial manager with that PhD. It doesn't mean you can't without that PhD, but it's slightly in your favor because when CROs approach sponsors about getting a project, they're usually asked, send us the CV of your clinical trial manager. And that helps to have comma PhD after your name because sponsors still care about that stuff. That's the only time, but see that ROI comes later in your career. Not in the beginning. I just said you did three years at a site and four years as a CRA, just like the person who didn't have a PhD. And that person who didn't have the PhD can still be a clinical trial manager too. It's just you have a slightly easier chance of getting there quicker. That person without the PhD might have to work like five more years before they can do that. And they might have we to had, get like certified CRA or something. Yeah, like we we had had in the in the CRC Academy uh, many PhDs in United States. I mean that they finish here, and we had a lot, um, and we have a lot of uh, doctors trained overseas. Yeah, Chris and people with masters. Well, I was just gonna say you, but you said it was only slightly advantageous for the PhD. Uh, I was going to disagree until you said you might have to work five years longer with a bachelor's degree as a CRA. That's more than slightly advantageous. And that that I agree with. I think it is highly advantageous to have a PhD or or, or an MD or whatever the case may be um, in in acquiring those those positions that you are referring to. So maybe when you start being a CRA, like in year two of being a CRA, then if if you're thinking of going on that direction, that's when you're going to decide if you want to actually do this, the P, take the PhD or or a study or taking that responsibility uh, rather than before, because maybe like you Judy. choose the wrong one. Like yeah. LICR <laughs> co-founder Judy, she's doing this right now. I, I don't think it's her PhD, but she's getting her master's. After 17 years of being in the industry and she's currently still mm-hmm. in the industry as a site owner, but she just wanted that master's degree. And she's, I don't recall what she said, but she's been out of school for a few years, I believe. Yeah, it's like something like public health or something like similar to that. So for her, it's probably to boost her site reputation. And I mean, who knows? There's a lot of reasons for it. And, mm-hmm. but the ROI comes later. And the problem is a lot of people who get it first before they get the experience, they want it now. Probably they choose the wrong uh, PhD or the wrong master. <laughs> so I guess it's better, I, I from my perspective, it's better to wait a little bit so that way you can choose the right uh, master's or the right PhD that is going to really truly help you to advance quicker than just doing it before and trying to advance, jump in. Uh, which is, I mean, it's not going to happen. <laughs> Everybody has to go through the same uh, yeah. process. Mm-hmm. But so this industry is interesting because it matters and it doesn't matter at the same time. Like I, we always say, me and you, Monica, and even Chris, we always say degrees don't matter, you know, but it doesn't matter, but it can be advantageous to have degrees because it could shorten your timelines a bit. But interestingly enough, it's not going to shorten your timelines at the beginning. 
And I think that's a good summary of the, all of this. But anyways, anything yes. else you guys want to add? Yeah, if you're interested in being a coordinator, talk to Monica about the CRC Academy. I was going to say the same. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're interested in CRA Academy, yeah. talk to Mir Chris, but you'll yeah. end up talking to Casey. Uh, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I call. Sometimes me and Chris call. And yep. We'll get on the phone. So, all right, guys. Like, subscribe, comment, share. Thank you, Chris and Monica, for coming on to unpack this. Uh, I think we need like an actual conversation uh, to unpack the nuances of all this because people are confused, and I don't blame them. You know, they've been taught, they've been lied to their whole lives. Like, hey, once you get this PhD, you go out there and get any job, and then they come into research and they're like, wow, no, I can't get any job. It's not true. Asterix is later, right? But they don't tell you that at the beginning when you when you get that loan because that's not as sexy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, we obviously this sounds like advertisement, but with uh, with with the CRC Academy or with the CRA Academy, it's much easier because it's practical. That's and obviously, helpful. you're not and you're not getting into that huge loan. Is yeah. much cheaper. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> A lot more, and it will help you to advance much faster. Well, thank you, guys. So, I think Chris's dog agrees. And um, <laughs> like, subscribe, comment, share. Yeah, he had too many student loans. The dog did. Like, subscribe, comment, <laughs> share. Catch y'all later. Thank you, Monica and Chris. Bye-bye.